If you had to put Christianity in a box and sum it all up into one word, I think the best word to describe it would simply be worship. The definition of worship is simply adoration or deep love and reverence, which also means respect. Worship is one of the most powerful things in the world. It's strong enough to break generational struggles. It's strong enough to put a broken marriage back together. Worship is strong enough to take care of all your addictions. There's absolutely no limits to what can be accomplished when a man or woman begins to truly adore and reverence God. Worship is able to bring to pass the answer to your prayers. It's able to set your loved ones free. Worship has the power to completely change the atmosphere. It has the ability to change the mindset of an entire community. And you know, worship, when it's melted down into its simplest form, is simply a walk with God. I want to ask you today, which way are you walking? This is episode 8 of the Born Again Podcast. In 2009, a man named Dan Stevenson got absolutely fed up with the way things were going in his neighborhood in Oakland, California. The streets and the sidewalks were littered with trash. Graffiti was spray-painted on the buildings. Drug dealers and prostitutes stood on the corner by his house every day. People would drive by and they would throw out couches and mattresses, old furniture, and household garbage. Many times he called the city to try and get somebody to come out and clean the place up, but each time it would go back to the way it had always been. So one day Dan, who wasn't a religious man, came up with an idea. He went to the store and bought a two-foot-tall concrete statue of Buddha, and he put him on the corner that was usually filled with only garbage and illegal activity. Well, not much happened at first, but over time he began to notice a change. The drug dealers, the prostitutes, and the gang members found a new place to hang out. Nobody threw their trash out anymore, and the graffiti was cleaned up. All of this was because of a two-foot-tall statue of Buddha. The local Vietnamese community would stop by every day and offer their prayers to their god. They'd bring flowers and leave offerings of fruit and water. Eventually, they got together and built a small house for the Buddha. And still to this day, they have incense burning and music playing constantly. Every morning without fail, the worshipers of Buddha make their way down to his little house and bring their prayers and their sacrifice. Because of their loyalty in serving what they believe to be God, they've managed to clean their entire neighborhood up. According to the police statistics, that area has seen an 82% decrease in crime. All of this was because they installed a statue of Buddha and began to worship him every day. Now, I don't want this to be offensive to anybody, but that's the power of worshiping a God who's never saved anybody. That's the power of worshiping a God who never healed anybody. That's the power of worshiping somebody who didn't die on a cross for your sins and who didn't resurrect from the grave. Now, what would happen to our atmosphere? What would happen to our community, the counties that we live in, if we worship the only real God faithfully, every single day. See, worship is so much more than just what we do when we come to church. All the singing and all the lifted hands, all the praying, 
all the dancing. It means very little if we fail to live it every day. If you go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, and a Monday night prayer meeting, that's about six hours of your time. That comes out to 3.6% of your week. So I've got to ask you, what are you doing with the other 96% of your time? Are you truly walking with God in worship? The most powerful and the most important act of worship is a daily walk. It's choosing the right path each and every day. So which way are you walking? Proverbs 16 and 25 says, There is a way that seemeth right unto a man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. You know, we come to church and we worship the Lord three times a week. But I can't help but ask the question, how are we living our lives outside of the church building? Are we truly living for Him in the way we think, and the way we act, and the way we walk on a regular basis? And this may be a little confrontational, but are you walking your way, or are you walking God's way? It's one thing to talk right and to dress right, but it's an altogether different thing to walk right. Proverbs 4.23 says, Guard your heart above all else for it determines the course of your life. Avoid all perverse talk. Stay away from corrupt speech. Look straight ahead and fix your eyes on what lies before you. Mark out a straight path for your feet and stay on the straight path. Don't get distracted and keep your feet from following evil. It's something you need to be thinking about constantly. With every decision you make, with every thought that you allow into your mind, am I choosing my way or am I choosing God's way? Jesus talked about this himself in Matthew 7 and 13 when he said, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction. And many there be which go in that way, because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way that leadeth to life, and few there be that find it. Jesus just kind of puts it in terms we can all understand, and he says one way leads to heaven, and the other way leads to hell. There's no alternate routes to take. You're either going your way, which leads to destruction, or you're going God's way, which leads to eternal life. Isaiah 55 and 8, God spoke to his people and said, For my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. If you'll be honest with yourself today, your way is just not working. Your way only causes pain to yourself and those you love. Your thoughts lead to depression and anxiety. God's way gives you joy and the freedom of salvation. And His thoughts give you peace that pass all understanding. Psalm 139 and 23 says, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me. And keep me in the way everlasting. When you kneel down to pray, you ought to pray this psalm. God, if there's anything in me that wants to go my own way, if there's anything inside my heart that wants to go the wicked way, help me to turn myself around and to walk in the way that is everlasting. So which way are you really walking? You know, the reason you have no power over temptation is because you're walking in the wrong direction. And let me just say this, you you have no authority over the sin in your life that you choose to indulge in. You have no power to say no to temptation when you're constantly being entertained by those same things. If you've found yourself at the end of your rope, if you've found yourself lost, it seems, with no way out, turn around and begin to walk the other way. Galatians 5.16 says, This I say then, walk in the Spirit, 
and you shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. For the flesh lusts against the spirit, and the spirit against the flesh. In other words, my flesh wants one thing, but my spirit wants another thing. And these are contrary the one to the other, so that you cannot do the things that you want to do. But if you are led by the spirit, you are not under the law. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, the results are very clear. There will be sexual immorality, impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery, hostility, quarreling, jealousy, outbursts of anger, selfish ambition, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, wild parties, and other sins like these. Let me tell you again as I have before that anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. Friends, I'm reading you the Bible today. It clearly says, if you're walking your own way, you're going to fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And in doing so, you cannot be born again. You cannot make heaven your home. Verse 22 goes on to talk about if you choose God's way for your life. This is what it's going to produce. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. What kind of life do you want to live? Even more important, what kind of eternity do you want to live? Do you want love, joy, true peace in your life? I'll tell you how to find that. Stop walking your own way and start walking God's way. If you're doing what's right in your own eyes, instead of living what the Bible teaches, you're going to wake up one day at the end of that road and you'll find yourself at a destination you never wanted to go. One road leads to heaven. One road leads to hell. Psalm 119 and 105 says, The word of God is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path. If you want to make sure you're walking the right path, let the word of God be what guides and leads you in every decision that you make. Proverbs 5.21 says, For the Lord sees clearly what a man does. He examines every path that he takes. Psalm 1 and 6 says, For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the ungodly shall perish or be destroyed. Let me just be blunt today. The journey is almost over, and we're almost home. I don't believe it'll be too much longer before the Lord comes to take His church away. And I've got to encourage somebody, you better keep walking the right way. Maybe your foot has almost slipped. Maybe you found yourself walking away from God. It's not too late right now to turn around. But one day it will be too late. You know, I've shared this part of my story before on episode number one. But I was so caught up in a lifestyle of sin. So caught up in the drug world. Uh, so caught up in the pleasures of the flesh. That I almost ended my own life. I almost committed suicide. But one night the Lord spoke to me out of nowhere and said, go get your Bible. So I went inside and grabbed my Bible and came back outside. I turned on a flashlight and I prayed. I said, God, if you're even real, if you care anything about me, would you speak to me when I open this book? So when I opened it up, my eyes fell to the spot in Psalms 37 and 23, where David said, the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. In other words, the path that he's walking, it's ordered by God. And he delights in his way. Though he falls, he shall not be utterly cast down, for the Lord upholdeth him with his hand. And I just began to think, you know, surely God's not speaking to me, because I know I'm not a good person. I know I'm not walking the right way. 
but I kept on reading. 26 says, He is ever merciful, and he lendeth, and his seed is blessed. Depart from evil and do good, and dwell forevermore. Verse 35 says, I've seen the wicked in great power, and spreading himself like a green bay tree. In other words, he was very prosperous for a short season. Yet he passed away, and lo, he was not. Yea, I sought him, but he could not be found. Mark the perfect man, and behold the upright. For the end of that man is peace. That path that the righteous man takes ends up in a peaceful place. But the transgressors, those who walk an evil path, those who follow their own desires, their own ambitions, shall be destroyed. The end of the wicked shall be cut off. And when I realized what God was speaking to me, I broke down and began to weep. And I gave my life to God that night because the Lord was showing me a contrast of where my life was going to end if I'd kept walking my own way. If I would have chosen my own path that night, I'd be either dead or in prison or still strung out on drugs. But the Lord reached for me and he intervened for me at the worst time of my life. And he said, you don't have to keep walking that road you're walking. You can go my way. So I began to pray, seek the face of the Lord to help me to get on the right path. And I found in Acts chapter 2, verse number 38, the way to salvation. This is the first message that was ever preached in the New Testament church. The apostle Peter began to preach, and he condemned those who had killed Christ. He told them they were guilty of death for crucifying the Messiah. And when they realized what they had done, they realized who it was they actually hung on that tree. They said, men and brethren, what shall we do? In other words, we're going to die lost because we've done the worst thing you can imagine. But Peter said to them, there's hope. He said, repent. That word repent means to turn around, to stop walking the way you've been walking and go the complete opposite way to follow after God. He said, repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. For that promise is unto you, and to your children, and to all that are afar off, even as many as the Lord our God shall call. Friends, that same promise is to you today. If you'll stop walking the wrong path and choose God's path, there is hope for you. You can repent of your sins. You can be baptized in Jesus' name, and you can receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that's what it means to be born again. My prayer is that you'll take that to heart that you'll really think about the words that I've just spoken and that you'll act on it. The only person that can do anything about it is you. I want you to know I'm praying for you. I'm praying you'll accept this message and that you'll give your life to God. If you have any questions, you can email me at bornagainpod at gmail.com or you can reach out to me at Hagen Lee on any social media. I encourage you to take this time to get on your knees and call out to the Lord while you still have time. God bless you, in Jesus' name.